0: Hello to you all, and welcome to the Pitcast brought to you by the Pit Grown Line, from the fans for the fans. Now, I'm adding a bit of northern flavour uh, this week as I am your host, Aaron. Um, and with me, I've got our deputy editor and support series extraordinaire, James. Hi, Aaron. Great to be with you in the middle of this horrible heat wave. Uh, it's a bit warm and it? it's Mafton. Um, and we've also got, and she's a bit of a Coming a bit of a PitCast regular now. We've got Jess with us again.
1: Hello, yeah. Can't get rid of me. I just keep coming back.
0: <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we're recording this after the British Grand Prix. Uh, there's only one thing everyone's going to be talking about and we're not going to shift from that. Um, but before we get into it, um, if you want to drop us a like on, on YouTube, on Spotify, everywhere you can get your podcasts, you know, and give us some support because our numbers are up, supposedly, which is fantastic. You must be enjoying us for some reason. So we'll get into it. And Before we get on to the elephant in the room, the thing everyone's been talking about still to this point, um, I just want to talk about the first half of lap one. Um, I don't know about you two, but I've not been that exhilarated watching a Formula One race for a long time. Uh, James, what did you think to it?
1: Yeah,
2: I i always I always look at Silverstone as one of those tracks that I really enjoy the atmosphere of the weekend, but I never remember many kind of thrilling like wheel-to-wheel battles from races there. And then, yeah, the first lap or the first half of the first lap that we got on Sunday, it just blew my mind. There was just, everyone was going at it. So, uh, you know, so hard at every single corner, it felt like. And it wasn't just the two at the front, which we'll get onto in a bit. It seemed to be all the way through the field, Incredible battling. It was great to watch. It was a shame there was a safety car not that long <laughs> into the lap. Yeah, um, Jess, just what's
0: different to it.
1: Yeah, I just it was it was really interesting to watch. I think because we had the sprint race as well the day before, we had already witnessed their starts, so we didn't know what was going to happen next. And obviously the order had changed around at the front. They were slightly more aggressive in that one lap. I don't know why. Um interestingly, because I was there over the weekend, I spotted that. Pretty much every single race, bar, I think, the second F2 race, um, the person who qualified or who was in second position ended up first by the time they got down to Brooklands, which I thought was really interesting. So it meant that that second position always led to an interesting first lap.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, we best get on to it, aren't we? Uh, we haven't got that long, so we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, Jess, what was your stance racing incident, or was the blame...? Okay.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I've been sat on this for a few days, obviously. Um, And from where I was sat in the grandstand, so I was sat um, in the grandstand Woodcott B, so I sat at Woodcott and I could see down the National straight. And from where I was sat, he was, Lewis was alongside. He wasn't ahead, but he was alongside. Now they flicked around the corner before I could actually see the incident. So... And the screens didn't show the incident like immediately. They sort of were focused on on Lewis recovering and getting back onto the track. So to me, (laughs) it looked like a racing incident, mainly because it basically looked like one had understeer, one had oversteer, one was pinching the other, one was wide at the apex, and neither of them wanted to give an inch, which sounds like six of one, half dozen of the other. So that's a racing incident to me. However, I did read the FIA directive after they gave Lewis the penalty, they produced it. And it said that their reasoning was that Lewis was wide of the apex and his trajectory sort of meant that he was never really going to make the corner. Now, whether he did that on purpose or not, is probably up for debate, depending on who you talk to. Um, but I knew that he was wide of the apex. So I sort of took that and was like, yeah, OK. And it said it was predominantly his fault. Which I thought was interesting because it never said he was fully to blame. It just said it was predominantly his fault, which sort of meant to me that the correct decision, and it didn't necessarily ruin the race as such. I mean, it did in terms of we all wanted a wheel-to-wheel battle with Mac, with Lewis and uh, Max throughout the race. But initially, I thought it was a racing incident. But I understand the stewards' decision.
0: It's a very diplomatic answer. I like it. Um... <laughs> John James. You're usually the uh, voice of reason in the uh, pit crew group chat. What do you
2: think? I, I think we might all be on the fence this weekend. Maybe we should have had some harder stances. Um, I think Jess summed it up really well there. And it was, yeah, I mean, they were both kind of doing things that weren't brilliant. So they were both maybe a little bit at fault for it, but there wasn't anyone who was, you know, definitely to blame for it. I think, I think it's sometimes we can forget this with incidents in F1. We look for... You know if there are two drivers involved one of them must have been the one at fault and sometimes it is just you know somebody was lined up for the move wrong the other person was maybe cutting across a bit too much i think uh the, you know what jess said about the fia wording being hamilton was predominantly at fault i feel like that's the key that maybe it was like a 60 40 or a 70 30 incident it wasn't that hamilton deliberately drove into verstappen it wasn't that hamilton uh, verstappen cut across him and caused the accident it was one of them was predominantly to blame, but they were both—they were both mixed up in it. And I think you could see as well with the when they were coming down um, the straight towards Cops, you could see like Hamilton was lining up for a move, and Verstappen was kind of moving to cover him. And it all happened so quickly on that run into Cops that it was just—they were both just reacting to moves in kind of a split second. And you could tell—I remember I was watching it, and I thought this is going to end in tears. Like a split second before they touched you could just tell the way both cars were positioning that neither was going to let the other one go. Um, and yes, you had, you know, Hamilton was, he was alongside Verstappen. He wasn't 100% alongside. He wasn't, as just said, a head into the corner. But he was there at the start of the overtake. Um, so it was, you know, he and Mercedes are right in saying he was alongside. It was more than just a wheel up the inside, as Red Bull said. But equally, you know, it takes... That incident could have been avoided, but it took both drivers to avoid it and neither chose to.
0: Yeah, um, can't, I can say I agree. I was watching something earlier with Julian Palmer, who was basically analysing the crash. And he said that, because I, I thought he'd missed the apex altogether. But according to Julian, that was Lewis's line all the way from qualifying the sprint race. He was using that line. He was not taking the curve. He was completely missing it altogether. Um, so on from Lewis's perspective, he was on trajectory for where he was going. But, mm. you know, it was obviously going to end in tears. You know, Max don't give an inch. Lewis is probably sick of Max not giving an inch. So, you know, if, I, I'm, I agree with you both. We're all on the fence. You know, um, it's six or one, half a dozen of the other with maybe a bit more blame on Lewis, like, like the FIA reading says. But then later on in the race, um, to take the lead and ultimately win the race, Lewis passed Charles Leclerc at the same, same corner, same type of move. But you know, Leclerc gave Hamilton a lot more room. He he sort of didn't want any of that. So, what do you, what do you think? But did you know? Did Charles back out and you know just let Lewis through because he didn't want to get involved in an incident?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that was in the back of his mind, because obviously Leclerc was right behind them when it happened. You know, he had the best seat in the house for, for watching what happens if you try and cover Hamilton off too aggressively. Or, um, But yeah, there was an interesting analysis. I can't remember who did it now after the race, but uh, an- analysing how the Verstappen-Hamilton move started and how the Leclerc-Hamilton move started. And with the Verstappen-Hamilton one, Hamilton was so much further over towards the inside wall on the way down to cops just because of how the two cars have positioned themselves on the way down whereas with Leclerc he had a lot more space to his right hand side so he was I think he was able to kind of get that trajectory through the apex a lot better but at the same time Leclerc had moved well over to the left I think it was probably going through his mind that maybe he just couldn't defend that position after Hamilton had caught him his pace was just way too good and it was a case of you know just let him through and keep uh keep the podium position rather than wrecking it in the gravel
1: didn't he have a little bit of like understeer or something I think his at the back end step out on him a little bit because he was really wide because I know that um obviously Lewis did the same move on uh Lando Norris as well I think slightly earlier so and Lando didn't go off the track or anything he did give him space so I think Charles probably did have a little bit of like the car stepped out on him Um, but yeah as James said he definitely he probably did think about that knowing that Lewis was coming up behind him Um, but it's the same as say like if Max was coming up behind him most of the drivers along the paddock at some point throughout the years Max has been there have said they do give him a bit of extra room and maybe it's the same with Lewis they give him a bit of extra room because they know that that move is on regardless of whether they want it to be or not um, so, they'd rather not lose the car in the process. And yeah, as James said, Charles knew that his pace was just unreal at that point. So, he probably wasn't trying to fight it too much. He was going for a maximum points finish for Ferrari with the fight with McLaren going on.
2: It's funny you mentioned the Landon Norris move, like all of the talk through the race about cops not being an overtaking spot. And what was Hamilton thinking overtaking at cops? And then he pulls off two moves at cops up the inside yeah. to win the race.
0: I mean, what you have to remember exactly. is cops is a. What 170 mile an hour corner? I mean, to get your everything precise every time is you know incredibly difficult. So you know if you miss your apex once in X amount of laps and it's not that bad. Like I say if he's pulled off two valid overtakes, you know without hitting each other. But or whether it's just Max's got the elbows out. Is is another question. So as as we alluded to earlier. Uh, Lewis got a penalty for the um, for the collision, but you know ultimately he won. He was punished, but it didn't matter as much because he still won the race. Now, was the pen harsh enough, uh, James? What do you think? Um, I don't know if I have an opinion really on whether it was
2: harsh or lenient. I I was surprised it was only a 10 second time penalty. I thought it was going to be a stop go. I don't know. I mean, the thing that I think a lot of people get caught up on is that obviously he did go on to win the race despite the penalty, as if, you know, as if that's a reason why he should have had a harsher penalty so that he couldn't win the race. Um, And we have to remember that the stewards don't dish out penalties to stop a driver getting to a certain position. It's just a case of you did this incident, here is a penalty for it, not you did this incident and we think you should only be able to finish P7. Um, So we'll engineer that to happen. But you know, you're never going to find a carbon copy of that accident to say, well, in this incident, someone else got this penalty for it. Yeah, I don't know. I I wish I wasn't sitting on the fence and so many things in this episode. I feel like we need some controversy in here. Jess, what's the opposite of sitting on the fence?
1: <laughs> um, I suppose I'm going to say then that it was accurate. I don't know if that's sitting on the fence or not, but I'm going to say that it was accurate. I think had they given less of a penalty or no penalty, there would have been... I mean obviously I said I thought it was a racing incident so that would have been fine for me but then I was sitting in the grandstand with a bunch of Lewis fans so you know (laughs) there's potential there that at the time there was a small tiny bit of bias now (laughs) I have consolidated since then and I you know agree with the stewards and things but I think I think that particular penalty was right because yes he did go on to in the race but you know he's a racing driver what's he going to do have a 10 second penalty and then not go out and do his best like that's not going to happen he's just just going to sit behind Valtteri and go oh, yeah no you should get the higher points that's not going to happen I think the other problem is that a lot of people wanted a harsher penalty because of the outcome of the impact so obviously Max had a horrible accident where he hit the um hit the barrier it was 51g and it was you know he ended up having to go to hospital for some precautionary checks, um, just to make sure he was okay. And we're all very glad that he got out of the car on his own and he was, you know, fine. Um, And he was out of hospital by the end of the day and it was, you know, fine. He was okay. But uh, I I did see online, obviously it was a lot of stuff that went on online. But one of the things I saw was in amongst all of that was that people were calling for a harsher penalty because of the outcome. Now, the stewards don't do that, and I think it's important to bring it up the stewards, uh, judge it based on the incident that happened on the track. What happens as a result of that? Now, if that had been taken into account, then either would have been a stop go or a complete disqualification. And I think if you're going to do that, you're going to start killing racing because the driver will retire if it's somebody else's fault, then they get pulled on the race. And that's not that's not racing, that's not how you properly go racing. So that it was a very long-winded way of me saying I think that that penalty was completely accurate because there are a lot of other factors that meant that, yes, he won the race and he did a great drive to win the race despite having the penalty. And the outcome was not all Lewis's fault. Well, it wasn't Lewis's fault. The outcome, he hit him. The stewards ruled that he hit him. So that bit is Lewis's fault. But the outcome is not his fault and he never intentionally put him in the wall. So I think the two... Bits of emotion that people are getting to say, "Oh, he definitely didn't win," or "or he shouldn't have got that far." I think, I, th- I think there are other factors that come into play when you are trying to make that kind of opinion. <laughs> I hope that was controversial enough. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll take it. it. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, we're all just going to sit on the fence in this podcast. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you say, it's hard to be consistent with it. 'Cause no crashes is the same. Um but quickly, can you imagine if Twitter and all that was around in nineteen ninety when Senna actually punted off Alan Prost for the title? Like can you imagine Twitter and the tribalism and such in an incident like that where he meant to do it? Never mind, you know, he's accidentally hitting.
2: Yeah, well, the same with like Schumacher and Damon okay. Hill in um in Australia in ninety-four. Yeah, I think one of the things that jumped out to me was the, you know, it it kind of shows how polarized the reaction to the incident was that, you know, we've said the description of the incident was that Hamilton was predominantly to blame, but not wholly to blame. And so perhaps the penalty reflected that it was not entirely his fault, but he should still carry some of the blame. But, the you know, the way... The Hamilton and Verstappen fan base is so kind of divided on this. Of one of them saying, no, it's entirely Hamilton's fault, and the other saying, no, he's entirely innocent. It's entirely Verstappen's fault. And that's where we get that thing of, you know, the penalty was either way too lenient and he should have got uh, a stop go or even a black flag, or saying the penalty was way too harsh and he didn't deserve it at all. But yeah, I think it just shows that it's such a difficult incident to call because the penalty, there are very few people that are looking at the penalty going, actually, yeah, that was quite right considering what happened in the incident
0: I feel like you're damned if you do damned if you don't if you're the stewards that you really can have too harsh to you're not gonna win essentially someone's gonna hate you and you know I, I won't want to be a steward to be honest out there yeah. I'm quite happy it, on must the,
2: it must be the job from hell when you're when you're asked to be a driver steward from the FIA and you'd think I know that like every driver on the track is going to hate me by the end of the weekend I mean I can't imagine
0: uh, it was it was Piro on it Emmanuel Piro was, the mm-hmm. steward this weekend. So, can you imagine him on a Sunday night? He's like, oh, oh no, <laughs> I hope he ain't got social media. So, I mean, I don't know about YouTube. I quite like now that F1 have given us more insight, where you can actually hear what the teams are saying to the to Michael Massey, the FIA director. You know, while on the team radio, it tells you what, like after you know, Christian Horner was on there and Turtle and his emails popped up, and. Um, I don't know about YouTube, I quite like this extra bit of insight we'll get into it.
1: I, mean, I love it. It's great. It adds to the drama. Um, as a spectator, it's fantastic. And when Toto had had his fantastic thing about his emails, and Michael Massey said, I oh, don't check my emails during the race, the whole grandstand that I was in just went, ooh, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the best reaction I'd ever heard Team Radio. Although, I have to say when I, the people that I was with I went to the Grand Prix with they, there was definitely a, a general consensus that whilst it's great for the fans and it's absolutely wonderful to have the extra layer of drama Michael Massey had to deal with them essentially complaining at each other and the comments that came out it just that's not necessary almost once it's under investigation maybe they should just not bother because sometimes it can hinder them instead of Instead of you know make it better I mean obviously it went in the favor of Red Bull but not to the way they wanted so they weren't happy anyway and I think I don't know there was a it was very funny and I loved it but it does seem a bit like maybe maybe Michael Massey should put a, a blanket statement out or a directive or something and just say like once an incident is under investigation you can no longer contact us unless we summon you and that's it because you get essentially quite childish comments over the radio but we love it so maybe they'll just keep it and i just should not mention it to anybody because <laughs> it was a lot of fun to listen to <laughs> yeah
0: it was quite i mean james what do you think i, I quite like it to be honest yeah, it was it was hilarious when um, that message came up from total wolf saying
2: michael i've sent you an email and i can just imagine there in the office typing like dear michael i hope this email finds you well <laughs> I've attached a PDF of the regulations. <laughs> I just yeah, and Massey's reply as well, saying I don't check my emails during the race, during the red flag period as well, when there's no race going on. I just I don't know. I have my own you know barrage of excuses of not replying to emails. I might add that onto it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I find it quite funny they were all communicating with Michael Massey as well because he's not a steward. He's not the one that's that's looking over the case. And the the teams know where the stewards are. They could go and present things to the stewards' office if they wanted to remember in, I think it was Monza last year when we had the red flag and Hamilton had a penalty impending for you know, Hamilton. Again, he always seems to wind up in these controversial <laughs> does he deserve a penalty or not situations, but yeah, when he had the penalty for going into the pit lane when it was closed and he and Toto Wolf went up to see the stewards in the red flag period while they were deliberating. It. It's that I don't quite get why you're going, you know, to the head teacher when, when they're not the one making that decision. Um, it did seem a bit odd, but like Jess said, it's it's quite fun watching it and quite fun listening to it. But sometimes it does get a bit childish, and I I wonder if the teams, if anything, will look at it and go, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be, maybe we should be a bit more careful with what we say because we're coming off quite bad here. But I hope they don't because it is hilarious listening to the adventures of Toto's email account.
0: You can just imagine the generic thing. I hope you're well in these difficult times. That sounds all I've written the best, Toto Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> So, X at the end.
1: Apparently, he did go up there and he did go and speak to them. Apparently, I don't know how, but Christian Horner said he saw him running through the paddock. Now, that was Christian Horner, so I've got no idea because he was all we full of emotions. <laughs> um, but apparently, he did go up and see them.
0: He's basically following all the emails, he? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Do you not read your emails?
2: Just chasing no. a reply to this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just to follow up. Um, oh, God. <laughs> We could go on for cliches, can not we all know? <laughs> so Jess just, just mentioned Christian then, and that brings me on nicely to my next point. Uh, I, I mean, I assume you two had the interview we did with Sky F1 afterwards where he, was, he wasn't he was sitting on the fence. We all might be, but he wasn't. Uh, you know, he, set, he had his hat on his sleeve and he, you know, some of the things he came out with, is that acceptable? Do you think as a team principal of a team or do you think he was a bit out of line with what he was saying?
2: It was hard because I can understand, obviously, why he's saying the things he's saying, especially during and just after the race itself. Because, you know, his driver's just been involved in a really heavy accident. His driver's had to go to hospital for checks. It's not just a driver's life, it's someone he knows so well and someone who's probably a close friend of his now. I can understand why he was so, so emotional and calling for a much harsher penalty and, um, you know, calling out Hamilton's involvement in the accident the thing that i think i think i'm not so in agreement with is i think he did i think he and red bull did kind of step over a line after a point where they didn't really let up with that rhetoric of that hamilton had been a dirty driver that it was an amateur move that it you know implying in a way that it was on purpose i don't know if i don't, i can't remember how close they came to saying that but it did feel like they were implying that it wasn't just an accident that there was. You know, Hamilton benefited from it. Was it entirely accidental? I don't know. Um, yeah, and i I think the problem for me with that is that first of all, it fueled I think a lot of the a lot of the division that was already there among people responding to this incident, and partly because it was only Christian Horner who was really getting shown, at least on British TV. And I don't know if that's I'm assuming they went to Toto Wolf and said, "Do you want to comment as well?" And I'm assuming he said no um and i wonder if perhaps the you know the broadcaster should have said well you know if we can't show both sides should we just keep showing the same side or not but i i think yeah it kind of when you only heard that same side that it was hamilton that was at fault that it was his driving that it was out of order it was amateurish etc i do wonder if that didn't really help if that just kind of fanned the flames a lot with people uh, you know, calling for a much harsher penalty, calling for a disqualification. And, um, yeah. And then as well, I, I worry a little bit about where this goes from the rest of the season with the, the stance that Red Bull's taken on it, because they've been so, so kind of heavy leaning into this, that, you know, I've heard over the, over the last week that Helmut Marko is considering a court challenge to get a stiffer penalty imposed in, in retrospect, which sounds ludicrous. I don't know if they even can do that anymore. I don't know if they have passed the time window for, for that to happen. I think the results have been closed now, but yeah, I, I worry a little bit about how Hamilton and Verstappen respond to each other on track. Now are this, is this going to be a closed off incident and they're going to be able to move on from it after the summer break? Um, obviously we've got hungry in between, but you know, over the next kind of six weeks, are they able to put it behind them and race cleanly for the rest of the season? or is it going to evolve into one of these scenarios where they're constantly coming together which we see all the time with rivalries like you know the Hamilton Rosberg and uh, you mentioned Senna and Prost and keep throwing out all the all the cliche driver rivalries but yeah i i know i know what it's like with these with F1 teams and their kind of superstar drivers the team rallies around them and they it's their job to protect the driver's side in this Red Bull rally around Verstappen and say, "No, you didn't do anything wrong. This was this was all Hamilton. You're completely in the right." Just as Mercedes will rally around Hamilton and say, "You were completely in the right. The penalty was unjust. It was all Verstappen." And I I worry that kind of you know that kind of bubbling of their egos. Is this going to lead to more consequences on track? I really hope it's not, but I do worry a little bit that we're going to see more flashpoints in the future. Yeah, Jess, would you agree?
1: Yeah. I completely agree. This is where, so a few podcasts ago, we talked about whether Max had it in him um, to win the championship. And I remember saying then that I wasn't sure if he had the mentality to do it, like he had the potential to get in his own way. And this is where we find out how mature he is. Because I imagine, as James said, they rallied, Red Bull now rallied around Max and gone, no, no, you were completely in the right and you know i mean quite rightly as they said they were a bit they're angry at it and i 100% believe that if this been the other way around and Lewis had been the one in the wall this would be exactly the same exactly the same because what would come out is max is aggressive at driving um and all of the all of the things that have been said over the last 24 48 72 hours um they would have been said the other, way away, the other way around. So this isn't a situation where I think it's specifically Red Bull or anything. Um, although I do believe that some of the comments, like James said, the dirty driver and the dangerous, almost implying that Lewis had done it on purpose, are not, they're not correct. They're not. That's not the way he should be operating. Calling for Lewis to have a one-race ban, that again suggests that he did it on purpose. And at no point does a driver want to hurt another driver it wasn't until after when I think Lewis was in the pen and one of the journalists told him that Max had gone to hospital. He didn't know on the podium, he didn't know in the car, although I think he did, I did hear a radio clip of Lewis checking. So all of the things that had gone on about him being disrespectful, that I think also was essentially across the line because they they didn't know, they didn't know and neither did Lewis. I just, it's all a bit miscommunication and things, but this is, this is where we find out because we know Lewis has composure. We've seen it in the past. He comes back and he fights. And often he wins. Not every time, but often he wins. You know, he's the same time world champion. He must win a few times. Um, but this is where we find out whether Max can mentally put it behind him and carry on or whether he, at Hungary, makes a rash move or whether he plays mind games or, I don't know, but this is where we find out. This is where we find out whether he has it in him. And I'm almost intrigued to see what... Well, I am intrigued to see what happens. Uh, because it will be a fascinating fight. I mean, it just adds to the fuel. But it's it'll be a fascinating fight to watch. I hope, I hope it doesn't lead to more horrible incidents and things. Because, I mean, the crash itself was scary. The incident was the incident but the crash itself was scary and i hope more things like that don't happen um but it does add fuel to the fire it does add a little bit intensity to each race particularly at the beginning if they're qualifying first and second which they are at the moment so we'll see i think yeah i think this is where we find out who who has the most maturity
0: Yeah. I agree. Um, so we're heading, as you say, to Hungary next, which is a Hamilton specialty. He's won there, I think it's eight times, I think I've seen on, you know, in the stats. So, you know, eight, eight wins, that's that's Lewis's track, it's so what a what a race for Max to, you know, can he make a statement and, you know, really fight back now? Uh, what is a Hamilton stronghold, if we want to use them, them terminology? Uh, how do you think it will go, James? Do you think Max can do it?
2: I think he's got a good chance. It's always been, a in the recent years, at least it's been a track that's favoured Red Bull as well, just because it's it's not an engine powerhouse. But I don't know how that, how that plays out in this season where Honda seem now level pegging with Mercedes, if not slightly ahead sometimes. Um, yeah, Red Bull generally has been, it's got the slightly better aero package, so I would lean towards Verstappen. But at the same time, when we get hotter races, I think Mercedes have actually been, able to get their car into working range. So with something like Hungary, I I, I don't know, it's, it's going to be so close that we could have the same sort of situation we had at Silverstone where they're more or less level pegging and sharing the front row yet again. I hope it's not the same lap one that we had at Silverstone. Um, even though that was like, like we said earlier, even though the first half of that was really exciting to watch, I hope we get a really exciting whole of lap one at Hungary. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to Hungary. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a good way to end the first half of the season, I think. After the explosion of Silverstone, I think it'll be nice to have this as a kind of epilogue to the uh, first half of the season.
0: It does feel like a like a TV series, doesn't it? Where you have the massive, <laughs> explosive thing happening in the second to last episode, and then there's the episode after which sort of picks up the pieces. Uh, yeah, this is
2: like the 10th episode in Game of Thrones season.
0: <laughs> it kind of has that feel to it, doesn't it? Um, and, you know, I hope we don't see what we saw. I can... It's bad, but as you just said, first lap and hungry, I can just see one of them going into that wall at on the left hand, the real quick left hand corner, having to turn four or mm. turn five. I can in my I can see it happening again, which scares me a little bit. Jess, what do you think? Do you think Mexican pull a back?
1: I'm not sure to be honest. It is very much a Lewis track. And I say Lewis rather than Mercedes. I think it's a Lewis track. So I'm not sure. I think Lewis potentially has momentum behind him after being at his home race with the home crowd, which generally speaking, we're quite pleased that he won. So, uh, yeah, being at his home race, I think is given a bit of extra confidence. I think generally speaking, he tends to bounce back from that sort of thing. I don't know whether you can bounce back from a win, but he tends to bounce back from that sort of thing. So we'll see. I think... It wouldn't shock me if Max won. I'm going to sit on the fence with this answer so hard. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me if Max won, but it is very much a Lewis track. So my expectation would be that Lewis has the advantage.
0: We should just call this podcast Sitting on the Fence, shouldn't we? We was debating the title. Yeah. I think it's, it's just Sitting on the Fence is the uh, title. Oh,
2: We're going splinters by the end of it.
0: I can already feel the splinters, mate. They're already uh, lodged in. <laughs> um so yeah so that was our our thoughts on the crash um feels like a, a seismic event in recent formula times um so thank you both for for joining us uh james where can we find you if we wanted to uh on social media i'm on
2: twitter at james 16 matthews yes
1: uh i'm also on twitter so at t motorsport girl which is that motorsport girl
0: like it and then i'm on twitter at aaron erwin seven so thank you for joining us and we will see you all out on track